You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Macronet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I overslept, so we have got to hurry, hurry. And I've got a, it's kind of just a pile of news. Some of it draft, some of it whatever. So I'll do my best to touch on all of it, as well as make it coherent. But make sure you join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is Packernet Podcast. Twitter is Pack underscore Daddy. Five-star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. I will post a link to the correct podcast, by the way, because some people still um, are not getting it. Just to make sure we're all on the same page. Also, every once in a while, I check the other podcasts, and they have a lot of, of really nice reviews. Which, by the way, iTunes took down the thing where it says how many reviews you got. I was really doing a diligent job keeping track of that and they just took it away from me so I can't keep track of it anymore. I have no idea how many reviews I have anymore. Which means I won't be doing any more giveaways when we get to 400 reviews or whatever. Anyways, whatever. Sorry. Can't ramble today. Got time constraints. And lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There will be a giveaway at the end of the month for everybody buddy for not everybody for a person that has given we'll be doing a giveaway every single month. This month's giveaway unless we get to 100 people, will be a free thing out of the Packernet store. So check the link in the description for that, see what kind of cool stuff there is. If you'd like to donate and help uh, the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Anyways, let us take a break and start flying through this stuff here. Oh, I'm tired. If you're like me and you're having a hard time waking up today, you're not quite well rested, you know what that means? Scientific fact coming your way. It means you need a vacation. So how about this spring, you follow your favorite baseball team to Arizona for the Cactus League Spring Training. Ten stadiums, 15 teams, 75 degree weather. By the way, I say go check out the Brewers or whatever. There's a lot of teams. There's ten stadiums, all within 50 miles of of Phoenix. So you can go check out several different teams at several different stadiums. Eating lots of different kinds of food. And and, and scenery too, but, but I mean food. In between baseballing and fooding. You got museums, check out all the cool native heritage and, and modern art and musical stuff. It's a very different region that I'm not super accustomed to, so there's a lot to see and learn and, and whatnot when you go to Arizona. And then the most important part, just make sure you book a really nice, relaxing, luxurious hotel. The ones with, like, the memory foam pillows. Oh, man. I want to go to bed so bad. <laughs> but make it just a really, really fun week. You can go out with the friends, the lady friend, the guy friend, husband, wife, kids, whatever. Something for everyone. Just make sure you plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Simply safe home security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. You don't just want an alarm system that just makes really loud noises while somebody breaks in, takes all your stuff, and you're in Arizona, and you don't find out till you get back, and your neighbor's like, hey, by the way... Did you hear? What, Frank? What do you want? Somebody stole your stuff. Frank. That guy. Anyways. No, no, no. This stuff, Simply Safe, somebody comes messing around your house, they're just going to call the cops. Your house. 
By the way, your house is going to call the cops for you. Be like, nope, I know this dude. Big trouble. Brick window? Nope, Popo's coming. Guy gets arrested. Hopefully the cops drive through Frank's yard to get to your house because it's an emergency here. And here's the thing. What if the guy has a gun? Cops don't really know, right? They do now. You know why? Because Simply Safe has cameras and they use video evidence. Shoot it over to the cops. So if he's walking around your house with a shotgun, cops are going to be like, all right, here's the plan. SWAT team. We're going through Frank's house. I mean, through his house into the backyard, taking this guy out. Simply Safe doesn't mess around, man. Entry, motion, glass break sensors. And not just bad guys with shotguns. It's going to protect your house from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning. It's just watching your house. This isn't, you know, your this 13-year-old girl coming over to check on your dog. Like, oh, here's some food, Fido. No, dude. Like, actually watching your house. And the best thing, we're talking about 15 bucks a month. 50 cents a day. So make sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get free shipping on your order, plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. I've found that if you just get weird sometimes, it breaks up the monotony. A little bit for your benefit, benefit from, but mostly for mine. All right. What or what should we talk about first? Let me organize my notes. We got no, no Patreon shout-outs today. Makes me sad. But we had a flurry the last couple of days, so I'll get over it. Um, I mentioned the CBA, and the only reason I keep talking about it is the CBA, I mean, we're, we're talking about potential major changes, like a 17th game. Not a 17th week, a 17th game. Um, you know, it could have major implications on the salary cap, all that kind of stuff. I had mentioned that there was rumblings that a new CBA would be reached prior to the Super Bowl. Apparently, that's no longer the case. I shouldn't say that's no longer the case. The league was optimistic. The union um, apparently are very pessimistic. Some of this is, is gamesmanship. I understand all that, but I'm, I'm just passing you along the information. Uh, I guess the union passed out some news to their members saying that they don't expect this thing to get done anytime soon. And, in fact, one of the major hurdles is that 17th regular season game. That's something the NFL wants badly. But, of course, the union and the players are going to be very discouraged about that from just a injury standpoint, from a burnout standpoint, um, which is extremely understandable. And beyond that, what is the compensation, right? I mean, what, what, what's in it for the players? I mean, I, I, I fully understand they're adequately compensated. I get that. But it's still, you know, when you get a contract, when you get a set amount of money, it's for a certain thing, right? It would be kind of like, here's how much you get paid to work here. It's like, all right, cool. And then they come along and they're like, by the way, you're going to have to work 15 minutes over every single day while you're working here and you're a salaried employee and your salary is not going to get increased for this. Like, Well, that's kind of messed up. I feel like if I'm working more, I should be compensated more, but you know. So anyways, that's the big hurdle and they can't come to terms on that, I guess. Um, some news from the, uh, well, we'll call it draft news because I've been working very hard. I've got several resources that I look to to keep information, not just for the Packers, but for teams around the league, so that when the time comes, I can do mock drafts that are very informed. But anyways, I want to try to relay as much of that information that I think you would find pertinent as possible. I had mentioned a lot of the meetings that the Packers have had at the East-West Shrine game. There is now some news coming out of the Senior Bowl. I haven't heard anything about meetings with the Packers quite yet, but I want to run through the list again. I think I've given you almost all of these guys, but I have a list of seven players that the Packers met with at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, the first one is McTelvin Agim. 
I think from what I've heard, he's one of the, the, the most impressive players at the East-West game. Now, remember, there was also reports that nobody in that entire East-West game um, is considered a first or probably even a second-day uh, player. Maybe like a round-three type guy. But, you know, this is the time of year when guys can rise, and I think McTelvin again, again really helped himself. Uh, another guy that was talked about quite a bit, Michael Dana. Both of these guys are defensive ends. Uh, again, Arkansas, Dana, Michigan. I mentioned they met with one defensive tackle, Bravion Roy, uh, out of Baylor. Really, really big dude. Met with uh, one linebacker, Dante Olson, out of Montana. They met with two quarterbacks, Tommy Stevens, out of Mississippi State, and uh, Kevin Davidson, out of Princeton. And then one wide receiver, who I don't know if I mentioned, uh, Desmond Patman, wide receiver out of Washington State. Obviously, Washington State, very well-renowned for their aerial assault. They throw and throw and throw and throw and throw. So those are the guys that they met with. Some other draft buzz. Apparently, the feeling right now is that offensive linemen and pass rushers are going to go very, very early. And because there aren't very many, they're probably going to go early. They're going to be overdrafted, and that also means that they're going to be overdrafted toward the end of the first round. You're going to start seeing some second-rounders go early. Now, my first thought is... When, when you hear that offensive tackles are going to be drafted late, my thought is, well, that could be the Packers. The problem I have with that, not to be a, a snob and assume the Packers are better than every other team, but I just have a hard time believing that they have such a dire need at, for example, offensive tackle that they would reach for a second-round prospect at pick 30 when another need were available to them, especially if value is falling because everybody's overdrafting. So in other words, you'll have teams that desperately need offensive tackles that could possibly reach in the late first. You know, the Vikings or whatever, I don't know. But I don't think that that would be the case. In fact, I think that if anything, this news would point to the fact that the Packers may get away from it because there probably isn't going to be very good value at tackle. So, you know, one of the names that's being talked about as a guy that's kind of a early second rounder that probably will go in the first is, is Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. His name has been getting passed around kind of a lot. But again, that that's sort of my take on this. Because that's what's going to happen. When, when there's less available, right? Last year was very heavy on defense. So if you need offense, you're going to have to reach. Well, the Packers didn't reach. They took the value that was available to them. And again, they're, they're set up to take all the right pieces. And so if teams are going to overdraft tackles and pass rushers, that means they're going to push value at different positions down to the Packers, meaning we should be able to get better value at other positions later, getting guys that are early 20-ish value at pick 30. So, you know, if are you following what I'm saying here? If this is true and it's very early, that would push me to believe that we will not be drafting tackles despite the news that there's probably going to be a flurry of tackles taken late in the first, just based on how and why there's going to be a flurry of tackles. So there's that. But again, it's, it's extremely early, just, you know, again, passing it along as I hear it. Um, there's also some news, A.J. Epinesa, if you're not super familiar with the draft class, um, he was sort of the consensus number two pass rusher, probably was for a long time considered a top ten pass rusher. Now he is beginning to fall. Um, I, I was never a huge fan of his, largely for the reason that a lot of people are pointing out. He's not a very athletic guy. He's like, I always called him Frankenstein, right? Super powerful guy, but he cannot bend to save his life. And so a lot of teams, a lot of scouts are starting to see him more as a 3-4 defensive end. 
Sort of like a DeForest Buckner, to be completely honest, or even an Eric Armstead. A guy that you probably can put on the outside as a defensive end, but is going to be better off as a 3-4 um, defensive end. The, interest, the reason I find that interesting is, first of all, he's sliding, because obviously your value plummets when you're no longer seen as an exterior rusher, but as more of an interior guy, um, which I think is silly. If you can get to the passer, what does it matter where you line up? But that's sort of the consensus right now and maybe it's partly because he's going to be spending a little bit more time helping with the run game as opposed to the pass game. But again, it's, it's interesting because there's some potential he could get within striking distance. There's also other uh, pass rushers that are kind of moving up and becoming more um, impressive to people, guys that are pure pass rushers. And, and uh, you know, this happens every single year where, especially at pass rusher, there's guys that just go flying up the board because it's such a premium position. You look at guys like uh, Kalevon Chason, however you say his name, uh, he's flying up, and if he ends up getting drafted before Epinesa, that wouldn't actually be all that surprising. Uh, Curtis Weaver is getting a lot of attention. Julian Okwara, Gross Mados, which is another name that I've been saying wrong, but I don't care. A lot of these guys are getting a lot of attention, and, and Epinesa is a 6'6", 280-pound guy. I mean, he you, you could see why you wouldn't be super afraid of putting him inside. Um, and again, the reason that it's interesting to me is if he does fall far enough, this could be a really, really intriguing option for the Green Bay Packers. A six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound guy along the interior. I mean, if you think about it, Dean Lowry is six six, two ninety five. So if they do move him to the interior and he's a massive monster of a person, you put another five, ten pounds on him, he's basically a massively upgraded Dean Lowry. And a guy that on occasion you can put on the outside. And another versatile piece that you can move around that Mike Pettin obviously loves to do, but a guy that's you know probably primarily going to stay inside and help us with that area with that you know that it, it it makes us look a lot more like the 49ers is what it does. So, anyways, when I heard he was sliding, it became one of those mm, maybe. And I know most people that have been paying us attention are saying there's no chance because we've all been hearing AJ Epinesa early. I'm just telling you, word is he's no longer seen as a defensive end. He's an interior three-four defensive end. And that's causing his value to drop. And we'll see how far it goes. It may require the Packers to move up a little bit to get him. But uh, he may fall within striking distance. Another potential prospect for the Green Bay Packers, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but that would be Oklahoma wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. Another guy that most people think, no, he's going to be long gone before the Packers get there. Okay. Apparently the rap on CeeDee Lamb is that he's a very good kid. Very, you know, nice, whatever. Great teammate. People love him. But he has a really big reputation for being a huge party animal. And so the scouts, for example, are looking at it and saying, you don't want him to go to places like Miami or Tampa. The place that he needs to go is a place like Green Bay. The problem is Green Bay has a reputation of wanting to keep those guys away from Green Bay. So I, I don't know. I don't know what Gutekunst's thought is on that. I'm sure they're going to want to spend time with him. And if he is a really good kid, you know, maybe the leadership in the locker room could help him out. And I understand. We, I think we, I, to be honest, I think we do have problems with that. I know I'm kind of speaking somewhat out of turn, but again, there was the Chicago incident. I, I strongly believe I'm not incorrect about what happened out in California. You even had Aaron Rodgers saying we need to think about our priorities when we fly out here and make sure that we're preparing the right way. I'm, I'm willing to bet that had a lot to do with the fact that guys got out there and had a lot of fun. It's a young team. It's a very young team, and it's a coach that likes to give a lot of leash and let the guys be who they are, which has its benefits, but it has its drawbacks, and I'm not so necessarily sure... That Green Bay's, I know the reputation is, well, how much trouble can you get into? Only people that have never lived in Wisconsin could make a statement like that. A guy who likes to party, let's send him to the drunkest state in all of America. 
I'm sure what could possibly go wrong. Have you ever been to college? I went to Whitewater. You know what Whitewater is? It's a place where it's a small town and you make your own fun. And guess what? We had fun probably six days a week. And that seventh day was spent trying to get people to come over and party, and it just you couldn't quite get people to do it. But six out of seven days, you could, spontaneously. And when you're a multimillionaire, and all your friends are multimillionaires, and you live in mansions, it's not hard to figure out how to throw parties with other 22-year-old millionaires, 23, 24, 25. I know we all think Zadarius Smith is like 75 years old, and he's like older than us because he's, I mean, he looks older, and he's a mature guy and all that. Even the elder guys are in their mid-twenties. not saying Zadarius would partake, I'm just making a point. So, maybe this causes C.D. Lamb to fall a little bit. Maybe some teams shy away, especially since there's such a huge amount of wide receiver talent. Maybe they say, you know what, we'll skip on C.D. and go for Henry Ruggs or whatever. The question is, would the Packers go for him? And I, I do think there's a point at which, well, either he's on or off your board, right? That's the first thing. I think if you don't want him, then you just take him off your board. But if he's on your board and falls, then yeah, you definitely you definitely go for it. But I just, I don't know if they will. I don't know what, what a reputation for partying necessarily means. But I think if, if you take a guy like that who understands, it's not like he has more on the line, right? Now he made it, and he has a lot more money. If he's partying like an animal in college, it's not going to change when he goes to the pros. But anyways, it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And uh, he's going to have to impress a lot of people in the interviews. And it'll be interesting if the Packers interview him. And I would be expecting them to. Because CeeDee Lamb is the kind of guy that the Packers need. And if there's any question about him possibly falling, they want to make sure that they're going to make the right decision as far as putting him on or off your board. Uh, And then finally, I meant to add to this because I just updated my big board and I'll be sure to put that on uh, Patreon. It's one of the perks of that is that I actually keep a aggregated... Uh, big board, I just actually started paying for ESPN so that I could add Mayock and Kuiper to that list. But it's, I take all the big boards from all the quote-unquote experts and I pull them into one giant big board so that you're not just picking one or the other or the people that you trust. This is everybody's aggregate board. Uh, but anyways, I forgot to put that on there, so I'll work on that for tomorrow. But two names that I'm hearing that are massive risers uh, that my board somewhat supports is tight end Cole Komet, massive riser. He's potentially... I mean, a guy that you hardly ever heard of suddenly is potential first-round territory. It's funny, I was updating all my boards, and all of a sudden a guy... And, and that's the thing, I know all these names, because I've been doing these boards since forever. I started this almost a year ago, starting to put this board together. I hardly ever heard this guy's name. Suddenly, it's like, everybody has got him. I mean, we're talking top 100, top 50, top 32, top 25. But uh, Notre Dame tight end, flying up the board. And then another guy flying up really, really quickly is uh, Wisconsin's Zach Bond, edge rusher out of Wisconsin, 6'3", 235, smaller guy, but he is getting a massive amount of hype. Obviously, between the two, the one to keep an eye on is Cole Komet. Um, He could be getting into that early second, late first territory. It seems unlikely the Packers would pull the trigger on tight end, but as I've said, I don't think that it's true that the Packers just refuse to take certain positions early. It might be. Maybe that's true. But I tend to think that what you have are a pile of options. And usually for them, based on positional value, the best option isn't to take a running back, tight end, whatever. And that'll probably be the case this year with as many wide receivers and tackles and everything else that'll probably be available that are a good value. But I I, I do think that, again, if it were the case that the best player were a tight end and he's on a separate level, I mean, we're talking he's on just a, a higher plane, a higher tier than everybody else, would they just trade out because they don't want a tight end? 
would they reach on a different prospect because they don't want a tight end, or would they take the best player who happens to be a tight end, which happens to be a big need? I bet they would take the tight end. I just think the odds are against those positions, and it's why we usually don't see them taking those positions in the first round because they're looking for better positional value. And if there is better positional value, they'll do it. Or like we saw last year, there's also the option to trade up if they see some really good value at another position that they feel they really need, like safety. So the the odds are kind of stacked against tight end and running back. And so statistically, we're very rarely going to see it. But I do think it could happen. I don't think they just write it off and say we're never doing it. I don't think that's the case. And remember, we're dealing with small sample sizes here. Over the last 10 years, we've had, what, 11 first-round picks? It's not like we're talking about a thousand sample sizes to be able to look at it and say, see, they never take tight ends. It's relax. Plus, Brian Gutekunst has had uh, three first-round picks. So that's an even smaller sample size. Anyways, that's it for draft news and whatnot. We'll take a break. I want to talk a little bit about some free agency news and a little bit about the Green Bay Packers, and then we'll call it for the day. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Today's episode of the Packernet Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. It is a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Get some of the best news and insights from guys like Jay Glazier, Michael Lombardi, Dane Brugler, and a bunch of local guys. You're going to get quality, in-depth content that goes beyond the box score, exclusive content, smart analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth analysis and insights, smart coverage, unique content, And again, the subscription helps them to do that so that they don't have to rely on clickbaity articles. They just get to focus on quality. Also, no ads or pop-ups or any of that kind of stuff, making your reading and viewing experience much simpler. And remember, once you sign up, you're going to get a personalized feed. Once you tell them your favorite team and what it is you're into, they'll tailor the news for you. So if you're ready to get started, go to theathletic.com slash overtime and get 40% off your yearly subscription. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. All spelling in lowercase letters. So it was a news. It was announced uh, that the Packers had signed 10 free agents to the active roster. Not surprisingly, this was the practice squad. So Darius Shepard, Evan Bayless, uh, d- you know, James Looney, KB Onento, those guys, Manny Wilkins. So they've, they've got that, uh, that leeway to kind of build up the roster and stack as many people as they can in there, and then we'll start the process of shaping it and deciding who stays, who goes, but just trying to lock up the guys we have for now, making sure we don't lose them. Not super big news, but it's something. Um, Some interesting free agent news, something else that I've been trying to keep track of. I've mentioned Le'Veon Bell in the past. Two guys that some Packer fans are very interested in, Austin Hooper and A.J. Green, uh, very different stories. 
Apparently, the Bengals' top priority right now is keeping A.J. Green, which actually I think makes sense. I understand he's he's very injury-prone and he's getting up in age, but if you're about to get a brand spanking new uh, quarterback, and it seems like they are, it's like 95%, probably maybe more so at this point, that they're taking Joe Burrow. And they've already got one pretty good wide receiver, but you give them A.J. Green on top of it, you got a great duo. You get your tackle back from injury. You, you help kind of, you know, you got Joe Mixon, which is another weapon build out this offensive line, you give him a shot. Not not necessarily looking at playoffs in the first year, but but give this guy a chance to really impress, and uh, you're going to go out and win some games for sure, especially if A.J. Green can stay healthy. It's just, it's just too much of a threat. If Joe Burrow is as good as everyone expects him to be, and he ends up even being like a top 15, top 10 quarterback, which would be saying a lot, um, and then A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, I mean, that's that's a... That's an offense that's going to score some points. I know they don't have a great offensive line, but they, they've got some guys coming back from injury, and it's not like bad offensive lines can't win games. See the Vikings and the Texans and the Seahawks for information on that. On the other hand, Mr. Austin Hooper, a tight end that several people are interested in for the Green Bay Packers, apparently is very unlikely to be franchised, and there's a lot of that news going on right now as far as you know, I mean, everybody's got tough decisions, and even teams with a bunch of money, a lot of these guys have got several players that are going out the door. You know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, and as I mentioned, they have plenty of money to sign some of their key guys. However, there's a lot of other guys outside of Amari Cooper and Dak that are looking to get paid, and depending on who stays and who goes, there's probably going to be somewhat of an exodus no matter what. Uh, Same is true for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Depending on if they keep Jameis, some people think that he's 100% gone. Others tend to believe he's going to stay. But uh, depending on that, you know, guys like Indomitian and Sue are probably going to be on the way out because they just can't afford to keep everybody. So there's going to be a lot of big-name players that are going to hit the open market. A lot of money is going to be flying real soon. Uh, we'll see how aggressive or conservative Mr. Gutekunst decides to be this year. Um, it really just depends what he decides to do with all the money. Are we going to use that to re-sign all our guys 50-50? Are we going to kind of postpone that and go heavy into free agents? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But the news as of right now is that Austin Hooper will be a free agent. Lastly, I want to talk about um, this audio, I guess, that's been circulating about um, Shanahan and Patton. And the story, if you didn't hear, goes something like this. Kyle Shanahan, for one year, went to Cleveland to be the offensive coordinator, and that was the year that Mike Patton was the head coach. Apparently, um, Kyle Shanahan while he was game planning for the upcoming defenses that were happening, when they would go to practice, as it turned out, Mike Pettin's defense was game planning against Kyle Shanahan's offense. And the goal of the defense was to beat the offense, and they would get really excited when they would, you know, shut down the offense. And they would do it probably fairly regularly because Kyle Shanahan's focused on the other teams and Mike Pettin's focused on shutting down Kyle Shanahan. And there would be a lot of anger and frustration And essentially, Kyle Shanahan at one point had made the comment, if we were actually trying to be Mike Pettin, we would destroy them, but I'm busy trying to do my job. Now, a lot of people, for some reason, are taking a very weird angle on this, and I don't understand it, including the person who was telling the story, and that is that the reason Kyle Shanahan knows how to beat Mike Pettin is because he worked for Mike Pettin, and because of this story, somehow, he knows the defense really well. I don't really understand that. It was Mike Pettin that was studying Kyle Shanahan, not the other way around. I mean, at the, I mean, there would at least be some equal familiarity with Shanahan understanding Pettin and Pettin understanding Shanahan, but it would be more so for Pettin, who game-planned every week specifically against Kyle Shanahan and his offense and his scheme. Kyle Shanahan was not focused on Pettin, but was focused on everybody else. So that part of the story doesn't hold water. 
the idea that the reason Shanahan won and the reason he understands the defense is because he worked for Kyle Shanahan or because he worked for Pettin and, and all. No, if anything, that points to why Mike Pettin should have been able to beat Kyle Shanahan. So that doesn't work. The part of the story that bothers me is the part where Mike Pettin was focused on winning in practice. And I'd be very interested to know if that's still happening because I do seem to remember um, the defense was doing a really good job at practice which I just took to mean that the defense was going to be a really good defense, and they were. So I didn't obviously think too much of it, but you kind of hope that's not happening because that's a little weird. And if I'm the head coach, I'm probably just going to tell them, let's not do that, please. I want you to focus on, and I, I, don't, I don't think that they are. I don't know. I You know, whatever. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess that's sort of my, my take on it. People are very angry at, at Mike Pettin for some reason because of what happened in Cleveland, and somehow that means Kyle Shanahan knew how to beat him. I just, none of that really is a coherent story. The only other thing that I've heard that kind of maybe makes sense is the fact that it shows that Mike Pettin has not evolved. I don't think that's necessarily true because I don't think Kyle Shanahan is super evolved. I just think he has some incredible pieces that help him to run exactly his system. Let's not forget that Kyle Shanahan was the San Francisco 49ers coach last year as well. Not 2019, 2018, when they had the second overall pick because their team couldn't do jack squat. Granted, the 49ers almost lost to the, uh, or the, the Packers almost lost to the 49ers last year, too. 2018 as well, but still ended up coming out ahead because the offense somehow mustered 33 points against them. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sticking with the same general idea that there is a flaw in the defense, and I'm okay with saying that the flaw is that Mike Pettin has a scheme, and the scheme can be exploited because of a lack of talent somewhere. Potentially linebacker, I don't exactly know could be defensive tackle. I know he's very heavy on that. When, we, when we've when we had, you know, um, two really good interior guys, he wanted to go out and get another one. So getting that front and linebacker the way that it needs to be. And, and look, nobody has a perfect defense. It's about making what you have work. I'm just saying, I think that every scheme, not just Mike Pettin, every scheme has its vulnerabilities. That's the problem. You know, everybody wants to talk about, well, we should switch over to Wade Phillips' scheme. Wade Phillips' scheme has vulnerabilities, and the fear that I have is that we switch to a true 3-4, although I think he runs somewhat of a hybrid as well, but I think it's a little bit more of a 3-4-ish. I, I, I just I don't want to lose what we have. I don't want to pretend that this was, a ter- this was a top 10 defense in points that had the best pass rush duo in football, and I don't want to just assume that that had nothing to do with Pettin. And if we just bring in Wade Phillips and switch the assignments and the, the roles and responsibilities of our guys, that Zedarius will get another 18 sacks. No problem, because we could just ask him to do anything and he'll get, you know, 15 sacks, no problem. I think people are upset and they're they're kind of just being flippant about these things, and I'm not really ready to do that. But again, I, I don't really understand what the the blockbuster thing was in that story. I think it was weird that he wasn't planning for other teams, but was planning for the offense, but that doesn't give Shanahan any kind of insight information into Pettin. I mean, it does, but no more than we were already aware of. They work together, so they should both understand each other. I just think it comes down to Shanahan, uh, the Shanahan offense beat the Mike Pettin defense, largely because they had better players. And yeah, it, you know, it could have worked in the reverse as well, with Mike Pettin understanding Kyle Shanahan. If, if Mike Pettin had this elite defense and Shanahan had a struggling offense, I'm sure Mike Pettin would have absolutely trounced him. But that hasn't been the case. So I, I don't know. I I don't necessarily think there has to be this big scandalous thing out of that. The Again, the only big takeaway that I got that was concerning was the whole game planning and wanting to beat Kyle Shanahan as though it's some kind of an ego thing where you got this, you know, super impressive offensive coordinator that's supposed to be this big hotshot and he wants to show him up or whatever. That's that's ridiculous. 
But anyways, that's all I got for today. Just trying to clean up a little bit around the edges, news and notes and whatnot. Again, I'm going to continue to work on that uh, Patreon information. I've got the big board finished. I've got a mock draft halfway finished. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the coaches tomorrow and look at who I think is going to be safe and who is probably on the hot seat. But uh, anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, and bye-bye.